Amen. You know, there are, there are just some phrases in our culture that are easy to say and hard to do. Let me give you an example. Calm down. In the history of the phrase, nobody has ever calmed down by being told to calm down. Am I right? Here's some others. Um, Save money. Now, doesn't that sound good? Isn't it a good thing to do to save money? But it just seems like there's always one more expense. And so there's a number of phrases in our culture that is easy to say. It's a little bit more difficult to do. How about the phrase, get over it? Doesn't that just make you mad when you hear that? Somebody say, get over it, calm down, eat better. Sounds good, right? But it's hard to do sometimes. Well, maybe just for me. For me, uh, it's easy to say, but it's more hard to do. Um, You know, here's why I bring that up. Because we're looking at a scripture this morning that is exactly that. Oh, when we read it, it just flows off the tongue. It's so easy to say. But how do we do that? You know, we've been singing, I don't know if you caught this morning, but we've been singing a theme, hope. And isn't it true that our exclusive hope, our only hope is in is in the crucified and resurrected Jesus Christ. That's where our hope comes from. But the question is, now that we have it, if we're in Christ, what do we do with it? I've got it, right? Now what do I do with it? And so uh, that's what we're going to be studying this morning in First Peter chapter 1. So if you have your Bible, if you have a copy of the Scripture, I invite you to turn there, First Peter chapter 1. While people are thumbing through the Scriptures, let me just take a second to welcome our guests. We always say this, but if you're a guest today, you don't know it because you haven't been here to hear us say it before. But listen, guests, we know it takes a lot of courage to go to a new place. And we just want to say thanks for being here. Thank you for having the courage to go to a new place. I know some of you are guests this morning and you're here because you have some friends that go here. We praise God for you. Some of you are here this morning as guests and you don't know another soul. You just woke up hungry for God and you said, I want to go check out the fellowship. So we're honored that you're here. We hope that you felt welcomed. Our prayer is twofold that you feel welcomed and that you experience the presence of a living God. Because that is the God that we serve. Uh, so one more thought to the guests. If you don't mind, in your bulletin, there's a little blue sheet. If you would fill that out. And if you would meet my wife and I at the end of the service at our welcome center. If you go through these doors and keep walking, you'll hit it. All right? So we would love to meet you after the service. Just to say hello and uh, give you a gift bag and say thanks for being here uh, today. But First Peter chapter 13 is the scripture that we're looking at this morning. We know that it's about hope. We've been singing about hope. The title is, What Do I Do With Hope? But let's look at this scripture together. It says, Therefore, now, stop there. Therefore, obligates us to be mindful of what happened leading up to this scripture. I'm going to summarize it for you. Because salvation is so awesome. That's what 1 Peter chapter 1 verses 1 through 12 are talking about. It's talking about the amazing, awesome, unspeakable nature of salvation. The fact that the prophets look forward to it. 
And they, they spoke about it, but they couldn't quite wrap their minds around it. And therefore, because salvation is so amazing and so life-changing and fills us with hope, therefore, verse 13 says, therefore, preparing your minds for action and being sober-minded, set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Now that one verse is the entirety of scripture that we're studying this morning. And I just want you to notice something before we put our focus on this idea of setting our hope fully on the grace that's going to be revealed to us. I want you to notice that the scripture calls us to prepare our mind for action. I was talking several weeks ago about the fact that I grieve that in our culture... We are taught, we're told, and we're fed this lie that says you can either believe in God or use your brain. That's totally false. In fact, some of the smartest, most intelligent people that we have in our culture believe that this this thing we call planet Earth did not get here on accident. That there's an intelligent designer that intentionally and purposefully created us. And I just want to draw your attention to the fact that the scripture is telling us that as believers, as people who've been filled with hope, who have experienced the the beautiful goodness of salvation, we are called then, aren't we, according to verse 13, to prepare our minds for action and to be sober-minded. But you see there that phrase that we're studying this morning, set your hope fully on the grace, the word of God says, that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Now, I want to talk just for a minute about the why, because I want for us to really understand what's at stake. I mentioned this before in in the seven weeks that I've been here. You know, oftentimes when we look at the scripture, we say, man, that ought to just mean really something important to me, but I'm just struggling to understand why Pastor Zach's going to take 30 minutes to talk about this. Well, here's why. I'm going to give you three reasons why this is important. First, because the Scripture commands it. Now, I know how that hits for some of you. Anybody in here grow up and... uh And when you asked your mom or your dad or whoever was your guardian, why do I have to do that? They said, because I said so. (laughs) Anybody grow up? Kids, don't answer, don't raise your hands right now. Okay. But yeah, we grew up with that, right? Well, listen, isn't it true that for those of us who know Jesus Christ, for those of us who understand that the scripture is trustworthy, right? When we look at the scripture and the scripture says, set your hope fully on the grace that's to be revealed. Shouldn't it be enough that the scripture commands it? And so it's kind of like the spiritual way of saying, because God said so. God said to set your hope fully on the grace that is to be revealed. Now, for some of you, maybe that's not enough. You wouldn't say it out loud, but you're thinking to yourself, I need a little bit more than that. Okay, let me give you two more reasons. One, because it's a command. But here's the second reason. Because it prepares us for a life that makes a difference in this world. It prepares us for a life that makes a difference in this world. You know, I've got gray hair now. And I'm struggling with that. In fact, I was, I was at the beautician, if that's what they call them here, uh, just this week. And I thought, what if I dyed my hair so my gray didn't show anymore? 
I said, no, I want to be authentic. Not that if you get it, died, there's anything wrong with it. I'm digging a hole, Zach. Back out of this. Go back to the scripture. Where was I? Oh my gosh, I just threw myself off here. Where was I? Literally, somebody yell out. I was at the beauticians. I'm, what am I talking about up here? Oh my gosh. Can I just go on to the next point? I'm going to get emails and everything. Listen, I love you so much. I'm so sorry. Seriously, I lost my train of thought. I'm so thankful you love me. Making a difference in the world. People want to make a difference in the world. This is my long way of getting to this point. I'm getting older now. And I really love the younger generation. (laughs) This is where I was going. Who have an absolute passion that their faith leads them to make a difference in the world. That is amazing, right? And... And we're, I don't know where the, all of the young people, but let me tell you something, young people. You're not the only ones. We want to make a difference in the world. Those of us who are approaching middle-aged and have passed middle-aged, we want to make a difference. And when we successfully set our hope on the future where Jesus Christ is revealed, we have the ability to do that for two reasons. One, because of the confidence that we have. Man, when I'm thinking about the fact that one day... Jesus is going to peel back those clouds and come screaming back and come for me and come for you. Listen, I live my day with confidence on those days that that's what I'm focused on. When I'm focused on the fact that there's a day coming where the Lord is returning, where there's the revelation of Jesus Christ, those are the days that fill me up with confidence knowing that I am living for God. It also gives me perseverance. Now, I don't know what your long distance is. Some of you can run like 26.2 miles. And some of you can run like 0.2 miles. But I know one thing. When you see the finish line, you can go a little bit further. When you can see what the end is, it helps you persevere. So if we're talking about why, here's why. Because when we have set our hope fully on the grace that will be revealed to us, We're able to make more of a difference because we walk with confidence and we walk with perseverance. One more reason, and we're going to talk about how. But here's the third reason that this is so important. Because it protects us. When our hope is set on the glory that is to be revealed, when Jesus is finally revealed to us, the culmination when the Lord returns, when the second coming of Christ comes, here's the thing. When that's what our hope is set on, it protects us from failed expectations. But when my hope is not set on that, when my hope is set on a person, when my hope is set on a temporary circumstance, when my hope is set on a specific government, and those things fail me, my heart is crushed. Why? Because my hope was not set on Jesus Christ. And so one of the reasons that it's important for us to be able to learn to set our hope fully on the grace that is to be revealed to us at the coming of Jesus Christ is because it protects us. It keeps us from setting our hope somewhere else that it doesn't belong. So I hope that I've 
in a long way, explain to you why it is that setting our hope fully on the grace that is to be revealed to us, as we've looked at it in in chapter 1, verse 13, I hope that you understand a little bit of why it's so important. We could keep going with that, right? We could spend a a whole hour discussing and thinking about why it's important, but I don't want to spend my time there. I want to help you. I want for us to talk about how do we do that? Because we see the command. And we understand that in our culture there are some things it's easy to say and it's difficult to do. Calm down, get over it, be patient, all of those things. But in Scripture that happens as well. There's, there's, there's commands that we have and we look at them and preachers get up here and preach about them. But then there's that question, right? Well, how exactly do I do that in my everyday life? And so that's what I want to share with you this morning, a couple of ways that we can do this, okay? So if you have your notes, if you're making notes, if you have your bulletin, you see that that's the the main part of what we're looking at. So we're going to talk about how, and we're going to look at a couple of cautions, and then we're going to, we'll finish for today. But the first way that we do this is by understanding hope. If you are going to have hope, and you're going to set your hope on something, you need to understand what the biblical definition of hope is. So if I had somebody in the back over here and somebody in the front over here and somebody in the middle over here, and I just asked you to stand up and just give us your definition of hope, more than likely you would be saying around the same thing, but your definitions probably would be a little bit different. And so I think if we're talking about hope, then let's define it. And I want to do that by sharing with you some principles of hope from the Scripture. This is from the verse that we're looking at this morning. What does it mean to have hope? What is biblical hope? Well, there's three things that I want you to see in the Scripture about biblical hope. First, it's anchored in the work of Jesus. So look at the Scripture again and notice what verse 13 says. It says, set your hope on what Jesus has is bringing to you. Set your hope fully on the grace that is going to be brought to you. So if we're asking ourselves, what is biblical hope? If your idea of hope isn't anchored in what Jesus did, but instead is anchored in what you do, then I have some bad news for you this morning. You don't have biblical hope. You have false hope. Another thing that really defines hope is not just that it's anchored in the work of Jesus, but that it's focused on eternity. So if we're talking about biblical hope, we're talking about hope that is anchored in the work of Christ, and it's focused on eternity. Set your hope on what is coming, on what is going to be brought to you. But if you're making notes, I want you to write down this third characteristic as well. Biblical hope transforms now. So it may be focused on the future. Biblical hope may be focused on what is going to happen. But it transforms our here and now. And many of you can stand. If you were, if you were invited, you could stand right where you're at. And you could tell the story about how the Lord Jesus Christ gave you hope for the future but transforms your now. That's, that's biblical hope. And so as we, if we're talking about this morning, how is it that we set our hope 
on the grace that is to be brought to us. We understand it's a command. We understand it's important. We understand it helps us to make a difference in life. We understand that when we do this correctly, it protects us. How do we do it? Well, we have to be talking about the same language that the Scripture is talking about. And we have to make sure that we understand biblical hope. The second way that we do this, in addition to understanding biblical hope, is by examining myself. What I mean by that is that it's one thing for us to know the definition of biblical hope. It's another thing for that biblical hope to have flooded our hearts and for us to truly have a relationship with God. I want to read to you a scripture. If you're making notes, you don't have to turn there, but if you want to go back and read this later on, this is out of 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 5. This is a scripture that is making another command specifically for you and for myself to examine ourselves to make sure that we are really in the faith. Not that we know about the faith, not that we're interested in the faith, not that we could regurgitate principles about the faith, but that we truly are in the faith. Let me read this scripture to you out of Second Corinthians chapter 13, verse 5. It says, examine yourself to see whether you are in the faith. Test yourselves, or do you not realize this about yourselves, that Jesus Christ is in you, unless you fail to meet the test? What's the author of 2 Corinthians saying? He's saying that salvation is so important that you shouldn't play games with it. He's saying that it's awesome for you to come and worship at church and to sing. My goodness, how we've sung today. And to do all of the things that look Christian. But here's what he says in 2 Corinthians chapter 13 verse 5. Examine yourself to make sure that you don't just know facts. And that you don't just have an interest in the Christian faith. Examine yourself to make sure that you are in the faith. So as we talk about how do we do this, we need to know what hope is. We need to make sure that we have a hope to set on the grace that is to be brought to us. Right? That's the second way that we do it. And you know, let me... So there's a bank down the street called Northeastern Savings Bank. I don't know if if you've noticed it. Maybe some of you have accounts there. It's just down the way here. Let me tell you a couple of things about it. August 16, 1864 was the first day that they opened their doors. And they have a CEO. His name is Robert Berg. I don't know if you know this about Northeastern Savings Bank. You probably don't. Their CEO, his name is Robert Berg. They have, obviously, a board of directors. Uh, the, the chairman of the board of directors, his name is John Hurley. And they have nine. They have nine different uh, locations. And a... Pretty interesting mission statement. Their mission statement, see if I can get this right. Their mission statement is to offer effective and progressive financial solutions to their customers. Now you say, well, why is he giving a commercial? I'm not giving a commercial for the bank. Keep banking wherever you're at. It doesn't matter to me. But I want you to know that if you were to go to the bank that I'm talking about just on the corner here, you could walk in. I could tell, I could close my eyes. I could tell you exactly where you go to go to the information desk, where the banker's offices are, and how to get to the tellers. 
If I was really good with my words, I could explain to you what it smells like when you walk in. I could explain to you about their customer service and about how they try to make people who walk in feel comfortable and welcome. And by listening to me talk about them, you would say to yourself, Zach must bank there. He must have an account there. On the contrary, I don't. You see, it's possible for me to know a lot about a bank and not have an account there. And what I'm trying to say to you this morning is to examine yourself. This hope that I'm up here sweating and spitting over, right, and yelling about, it's amazing hope. But it's one thing to know about it. It's another thing to have it. And so just like I can tell you all about the bank, but when it comes right down to it, I don't have an account there. I don't belong to that bank. Maybe the same is for you. You may know all about the fellowship. You may know all about the Bible. But you don't have an account in heaven. Because you've never surrendered your life to Jesus. And so as we talk about how do we put our hope in the grace that is going to be revealed to us. Well, we need to understand the hope. And then we need to examine ourselves and we just need to get really honest and say, do I have this hope so that I can set it in the hope that of, of grace that God is going to bring? Now, moving on, there's two more ways of, of answering the question, how, right? And the third is this. I need to preach this to myself. Because this isn't something that you listen to a sermon on and then move on and you're just successful doing it every day of your life. Isn't it true that if every day you're going to live with this perspective and this paradigm that my hope is wrapped up in Jesus and what he's done and there will come a day where his grace will be poured out over me and I will uh, experience the revelation of Jesus Christ. Isn't it true that if that really is how we're going to live our day-to-day life, we just have to preach that to ourselves every day. I need to set my hope on Jesus Christ. Some of you, when you wake up, you wake up cranky. And you need to preach this to yourself before you experience and encounter any human beings. Right? Am I true? Am I lying? Am I telling the truth this morning? You need to preach this to yourself and you need to drink some caffeine. And then you're good to go. But this is what I'm talking about, is that this is something that we forever are working through. And the reason that I bring this up is because if you find yourself having to go back and relearn this and reteach this to yourself and and work through this over and over and over, you are not alone. All of us have to preach this every day. Zach, set your hope on the grace that is coming to you when Jesus is revealed. And you have to preach that to yourself. And not only do you have to preach that to yourself, but the fourth action point of how is you need to surround yourself with people who will preach this to you. There's so many different alternatives, isn't there, to where we set our hope. Think about if you had a vase of flowers. It was given to you. Think if if we came in here and we had spent our bank account on getting everybody in here a vase of flowers and every one of you received one. What would you start thinking? 
Where am I going to put this in my home? Can you, can you imagine right now? Do you have a place already picked out that you put your flowers if somebody gives you flowers? Or would you be thinking, well, do I put them in my bedroom? Or do I put them in the kitchen so when people come over they'll comment on the flowers? And you're thinking through, right, where are you going to put this? Well, it's, it's like our hope. Because Jesus offers to you hope and you have to decide, where am I going to put my hope? And the author, First Peter, is saying, look, if you're looking for where you're going to put your hope, put it, set all of your hope. And what's interesting about this is it doesn't say put a little. It says put your hope fully. In other words, don't take some flowers and set them over here and some flowers. He says all in. All the hope that you have that God has put in your life, set your hope fully on the grace that is going to be revealed to you, that is going to be brought to you. And we need to surround ourselves with people that will preach this message to us. Because to the extent that we fail to put our hope in the right place is the extent that we're going to experience brokenness because we've placed our hope in a place that was never intended for us to place our hope. Let me give you two cautions about this before we wrap up with our call to action. And I know many of you have not been listening. You've just been wondering the whole time, haven't you? (laughs) You're listening, thinking, is it this? Is it this? I'm going to tell you what we're going to do with this uh, pink slip in a second. But I want to just give you two cautions. As we talk about placing our hope fully on the work of Jesus and what he's bringing to us, let me share with you these these two cautions. All right, the first caution is this. This hope transforms more than our future. And if us preachers are guilty of anything, and obviously we're guilty oftentimes of many things, but, but here's the one thing that I think that perhaps we've missed the point, missed the boat uh, uh, for a couple of years. It's that when we talk about the goodness of God and salvation, we, we tend to talk about it in terms of what it's going to be like when we get to heaven. In other words, you need to give your life to Christ. You need to turn from your sin and surrender your life to Jesus. Why? So that one day when you die, you can go to heaven. Well, that's true. Because the scripture is very clear that people who surrender their life to Jesus, who by faith take Jesus Christ as their personal Lord and Savior, it's true that there is, there is an awesome reality and existence for us beyond death, and it's called experiencing heaven in the presence of God. But do you know that salvation changes more than the future? It changes the now. Which is why people can, 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 can interact with you and say, I can see that there's something different about you. I can watch you and your behavior. I can listen to your voice and, and what you talk about and what you don't talk about. And I can see that God has made a difference in your life. So as we're thinking about this concept of hope, I just want to put it out there for you. That this hope does more than just change the future. It changes our now. If you're making notes, there's this passage in Philippians. And I'll just mention it. We'll look at the second uh, caution after this. But, excuse me. But there's a scripture in Philippians that says, I'm confident of this. That he who began a good work in you is faithful and will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. And what that means is for people who are in the faith, 
Yes, there's this glorious day where the grace of Jesus is going to be revealed to us and and all of our troubles will be no more and we'll experience the presence of God forever. But until that day, please be aware that the Spirit of God continues to work in our life. So as we think about future hope and where we set our hope, one of the cautions that I just want for us to be aware of is that this hope is as powerful in our daily lives today as it is when Jesus Christ is revealed. The second caution is this. Obedience to this call, in other words, setting my hope on what is to come, does not mean that we abandon the world around us. It's so easy for us to think that because my hope is tied up in the work of Jesus and the future that He has for me, I'm just not going to worry about what's happening around me. I'm just going to block it out and forget about it. Pretend it doesn't exist. That's not what we're called to do. We're the fellowship. We are a loving community of people building up followers of Jesus and sharing Christ everywhere we go. We're not called to get saved and then just wait and do nothing. We're called to engage the world around us. So let's just be cautious of that. That when we celebrate the hope that we have in the future, and the future that God has for us, and the future that First Peter chapter 1 verse 13 defines for us, that it doesn't tempt us then to neglect the world around us, but that we continue to engage them, we continue to engage the world, to love the people around us, and not to just kind of throw our hands up and say, well, I'm good, I'll just sit around and wait for the Lord to return. No, that's not what He's called us to. So those are the two cautions of actually placing our hope in the grace that is to be revealed to us. Now before we close, I want you to look at your pink slip. Now some of you may be too young to know this, but pink slips (laughs) used to represent something really bad. It meant your services at your place of employment were no longer needed. And you'd either been fired or let go. But regardless, you no longer had a place there anymore. You see on your notes that there's one more blank. uh, and And it says, perhaps today, the greatest act of worship is to fire some of the alternatives in your life. I wrote down on here some things that maybe we need to write down on our pink slips. And these are things that might be good, but when we put our hope in them, they fail us. Because our hope, God designed our hope to be placed in Him, not in other people, not in other circumstances, and not in other things. So here are some things that I wrote that maybe this morning you need to write down on your pink slip. If you're married, and all of your hope It's in your spouse. Then you need to put your spouse on this pink slip today. (sighs) That sounds harsh, doesn't it? But listen, hear me out. Hear me out. Let me just be real serious about this for a second. If my wife, if her hope is in me, I want to get fired today. 
Because I want her hope to be in Jesus. Now I want us to stay close. I want us to love God together. I want us to raise kids together. I want us to be companions. But God did not give her hope so that she could put all of her hope in me. God gave her hope so that she could put her hope in the King of Kings and in the Lord of Lords. So maybe some of us need to write down our spouse on our pink slip. I'm not trying to get in in between your marriage. I'm trying to make it better. It is unfair for us to place our hope in our spouse. Because our salvation and our hope is in Christ. And our spouse can't produce that for us. You say, well, I'm, I'm not married. I'm not married. This doesn't relate to me. It does because some of us put our hope in our job or our finances. And you love Sunday mornings. You love the music. You like the teaching and the preaching half the time, you know. Like you're okay. You love all, all of this. But when it comes right down to it, your safety net is your bank account. You need to give that a pink slip today. Now, I'm not saying get rid of all of your money. (laughs) But if you decide to, give it to us, the church, okay? (laughs) But here's what I'm saying. If you've been able to accumulate wealth, praise God. But if your hope is in your finances, you're setting yourself up for a broken heart. So maybe it's a spouse. Maybe it's finances. Young people, you're sitting here saying, I don't have a job. I don't have finances or a spouse. What do I write? Maybe your hope is in other people's opinion of you. And today you need to give that a pink slip. And you need to say, I'm putting my hope in what God has for me, not what my friends think about me. You know, I said as I was messing up the intro how much I'm grateful that you love me. And I am. But I'm going to even tell you this. If your hope is in your pastor... You need to put my name on your pink slip today. You don't need to put your hope in me. Now we have great ministry ahead of us. I believe that God is going to do an incredible work in the fellowship. So we have vision. And I understand that the role of a lead pastor is important. And I'm not downplaying that. But listen to me. If your hope is in me and not in Jesus... You need to write my name on your pink slip today. And you need to give your pastor the pink slip. The last thing I'll say is this, and then we're going to pray together. I'll give you a second to literally write if you would like to. We'll be very careful because this is such a divisive topic. But if your hope is in a specific political party, you definitely need to give them the pink slip today. You may be here today and you may be saying, I believe that the political party that is in charge today is the hope of the future. You are misguided. You may be saying, well, 
the current administration is ruining everything that the last administration did, you're wrong too. Our hope is not in political parties or in lead pastors or in spouses or in friends' opinions. This scripture says to put your hope fully. It doesn't mean these other things aren't important. Relationships are important. Finances are important. Pastors are important. Government is important. But our hope is to be placed fully on the grace that Jesus is bringing with him when he is revealed. I want to ask you to stand to your feet, if you will. We're going to pray together. I'm so thankful for all of the laughter that we've had today. But if I could just come in for a landing real serious. I want to ask you to examine yourself. To ask yourself, where's my hope? And just in a season of prayer, just kind of in a posture of prayer, would you just take some time with the Lord? Just to talk with Him. Just to think about the scripture of what we're called to do. And to think about what are your next steps. You know, we talked about the how. Maybe the Lord is bringing to your mind and your heart right now what it is that you need to write on your pink slip. The alternatives that you need to fire today. Because although they may be good in your life, they're not worthy of you putting your hope in and setting your hope on. You know, our mission statement is to build up followers of Jesus. And so for those of you who do walk with God, this is an unavoidable thing. If we're going to continue to build up people as followers of Jesus... We have to learn where we put the hope that God has placed in us. And before I pray, let me just ask you just to pray for the people around you. You may know them or you may not. It's okay if you don't know their name. You just just pray for those that are around you that that they would be successful, they would be effective in putting their hope in the right place before we close. Lord, we're grateful that you gave us hope. That at a time when we were in rebellion against you, broken, running. (laughs) You saved us. And you gave us this incredible hope that is indestructible because it rests in who you are. And we confess it for our own spiritual health and also so that we can bring others to Christ that we need to set our hope on you. And not on other people and not on other things. Thank you 
for the word of God. Thank you for working among us. Thank you for your goodness. And thank you for the power of scripture and the blessing that you give us as we study it together. We love you and we love one another. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.